Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes already. This is a Mesh Musings episode where I do a relatively short overview, some might call a few of them rants, on a specific topic related to Data Mesh. I try to put uh, you know my few summary takeaways in the show notes too to make it easy to decide if this will be useful for you. Quick reminder as well to hit the Data Mesh Understanding link in the show notes to easily review listings of past episodes you might have missed, you know, that I've grouped up on different topics to make it easy if you want to do like a deep dive into governance or something like that. Do check out the Data Mesh Understanding offerings as well and the free community introduction and roundtable programs while you're there. Now with that, on to the Mesh Musing. Okay, this next section is also in the one-year anniversary Mesh Musings, you know, episode 167, but I thought I'd release it as a separate thing too in case people want to kind of hold me accountable later for making ridiculous claims. So uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this bit of Mesh Musings as my predictions for 2023. So predictions. Let's talk about my 2022 predictions before we get to the 2023. I'd say I was 1.25 out of three. I nailed the thing about data contracts, whiffed badly on data-driven application development, and was a bit, but not very right about knowledge graphs. See if I could do better in 2023. So like I said, I called data contracts as one of the biggest topics for the year early in 2022. I also thought the data-driven application development would be much bigger and that knowledge graphs would be taking the world by storm. The data-driven application development, I'm much more down on. It just doesn't seem feasible to have to retrain every application developer to start from data first. There isn't a good way to iterate towards it and breaking changes to ways of working are, are not great. I didn't really know that was necessary before saying it would win. Hopefully, I'm not doing the same here in a bit. Um, but I'll give a quick analogy. I, when I was working as a VC, I we invested in a company called Zigo, and they had this amazing, amazing piece of technology. But you needed to intersect with them when they were coming up, at least with a new rack of servers, but often with a new data center when they were building out a new data center. I feel like that's the same thing with kind of data-driven application development. It's really, really hard to move into it, um, and that's why I think. 
with data mesh when people try to to do too much too fast. It's kind of the same uh, problems, challenge sets. So um, knowledge graphs, they, they keep popping up everywhere, but I feel like I have yet to see anyone other than the kind of existing lovers of knowledge graphs that I knew about talking about them more than, you know, something like, I feel like we need to understand knowledge graphs. So it feels like there is still something there and a dam is going to burst at some point, but probably not even in 2023, maybe late 2023. Anyway, so my my big predictions for 2023, I have uh, four big ones and then some smaller ones. So these are mostly tied to data mesh or at least you know, things around data mesh, because I'm not really focused on, uh, you know, making uh, predictions about other things that just don't really come across my my plate. So number one, first, we will see emergent blueprints and open standards slash frameworks for data products. I've pushed hard for many companies to share exactly what their internal definition of a data product is, because it means different things to different people, and to share some of their kind of internal standards around, hey, how are you storing this? Or how are you looking at this from an interoperability standpoint? Really, the only one that I've seen that's done this in in a feasible way has been Agile Lab. They've put out um, something interesting. So thank you, Paulo and team. But we need more of these easy starting molds, not you know pure easy buttons of boom, I click this and I get a data product, because that's just not going to be applicable. If you are looking to do that lazy of a way, go elsewhere. Your data mesh is just not going to work for you if you're looking for that much of an easy button. But what we will see is there will be a lot more examples of actual data products, maybe with dummy data, that organizations will show. And then the vendors that they haven't figured this out yet to do this as part of their product demo still baffles me because it's just like, hey, you want to show how data mesh could work and how you can work inside data mesh? Okay, create 10 of these small little dummy data products and how they're interoperable and how your your product works inside of that kind of platform. But alas, anyway. So second prediction is that we will see the early emergence of much better frameworks to measure the business impact of data work. Now, somebody tried to talk to me about Infonomics and it's like, the, the more that I've seen on that, the more it's like, we should do this. And then there's nothing there, right? It's it's There's nothing really behind it. So there is a really there's an upcoming episode with Pink Shoe from Vista about their um, impact measurement framework for for incremental data products, and I think their framework is really awesome. From what I am seeing on this topic in general, most people try to wrap too much into one measurement, making it a mass and thus a morass of half baked qualitative measurements masking as quantitative measurements. So what I think we'll see is better thought around this and it will go actually more mainstream with better ways to measure and thus prove the value of data work. And because of the impending global economic slump, downturn, recession, whatever you want to call it, we will need to prove the value of data work more, right? There's going to be a lot of companies that are like, why don't we just cut the, the data thing? You know, it's, it's kind of like the recruiting and things like that a lot of times the uh, sillier companies, the ones that aren't quite as strategic around their data will say, let's just cut this data work. But I think what we will see from these frameworks is it will be far more nuanced than I saw an article that got like a ton of likes on LinkedIn saying, 
your return on an investment for a data product is the positive impact of the data product divided by the cost of the data product. We need to get a little more in depth, please. But I think we will start to see more kind of, you know, it's it's funny because uh, Jamak is pushing us to, to stop trying to uh, break everything into layers. But I think when you think about, you know, even the networking model, you think about OSI, there's like a base layer and a layer on top of that and layer on top of that. And they all cohesively interact with each other. And they're all part of one kind of packet of information when you think about how packets actually get sent. And it's just about kind of passing the information back and forth. I think we'll have that from a measurement framework where we say, hey, here's the base thing that you measure. Here's the thing on top of it. Here's the thing on top of it. And so that you've got that support instead of just trying to mix everything together. And then you just go, well, we know data work is important. So just stop harassing us about it. I think we'll get to a much better place with that. Number three is we will finally start to see some people get past the idea that data product thinking is only about creating data products. This has been one of my biggest bugaboo topics where sometimes I go a bit overboard and or do the whole Mugato from Zoolander thing of, am I taking crazy pills here? Right. Looking at product management practices, it's not only about the actual product that is in general the end manifestation. The interface that is used to interact with the customer is the actual product itself. But think of even like something simple, like a box of mac and cheese. There's a ton of market research and feedback and interviews that go into it. It, you know, testing all these different things. It, it's not just the mac and the cheese. It's the packaging and the marketing and all of that. And maybe there was a special edition Mac and cheese or something like that. Bad analogy, but let's, let's right now I'm kind of upset because on the ice cream front, I only got one pint of uh, pumpkin pie ice cream before they took it off the shelves. And this might honestly be my last year to even get it. I don't know. Does the Netherlands do pumpkin pie ice cream? Anywho, they only bring out that pumpkin pie ice cream for a bit every year. So thinking about product pruning as well and like how like should we have this thing all the times is this a one-time run of information or how do you think about how things evolve right measuring feedback and taking that actually into account of what to create or augment in your data product what to shut down what data products aren't being used or what aren't being used i think um pink talks about this a lot what was the point of creating the data product? Is it serving that, right? If it's no longer serving that, it may have been great. Um, uh, Sean, or Shane Gibson at uh, Agile uh, Data was talking about this as well of um, when you think about agile practices, something may have worked for you phenomenally in the past and it's no longer working. So you move away from it and that's okay. We need to think about that in data instead of just having these things that, sit out there in perpetuity. So, you know, when we think about actually creating a, a product, your platform is a product, your interface to your users is a product, etc. The idea of product thinking as applied to data will move from create data products to how do we serve our customers in such a way that is it is sustainable and scalable in a productized way. At least I hope for my sanity that this one happens in 2023. Finally, my fourth big prediction 
is that we'll start to see some big data mesh failure stories emerge. And almost all of them, I will bet, will be because someone focused overly much on the tooling and or tried to move too fast. There will probably be a fair few of stories where people are no longer doing data mesh as well, where there was a change in leadership or and or the economy caused people to rein in investments. But I don't see those as much of as a failure of doing data mesh as a stall or shift in the tactics, right? We didn't end up doing Com, you know, continuing forward with our data mesh implementation versus it, it didn't work at all for us. Is that semantics? I don't know. Anyway, I, I love a figure someone posted on LinkedIn recently of what a digital, digital transformation really is. Picture was of, uh, you know, the caterpillar to cocoon to butterfly. But what most people seem to think is digital or data transformation or whatever is a caterpillar. And then step two is you add a skateboard so it can move a little bit quicker. And then step three, you add a jetpack. You know, just pushing forward with ways that are not working for us in general at best is probably not going to work. So when they do start to emerge, let's lean into these failure stories and figure out what we can learn from them. Let's not criticize or deride. Let's ask nice and intelligent questions of these people. If someone is going to be vulnerable in sharing what they went wrong, why in the world are you going for the jugular instead of the hug euler? Too cheesy? Eh, I don't care. Either way, if all we hear are the good parts about data mesh, all of you out there experiencing the tough aspects of data mesh are going to feel like you are way behind. And you aren't. Maybe this is just some wishful thinking, but I think we are going to start to tease the bad and the ugly stories out not just the good, not just the companies that are going out and saying, we got it all figured out. You know, I, I really, really love um, the interview with the Orpheum folks because they said like, we tried a bunch of this stuff and it just, it didn't work. And so we got to a good place, but like the, you, you don't have to do this to get to value. And, and I think we need more of that. We need people being honest instead of trying to come and, and market. And I, I have this problem sometimes with comms departments. And that's why people come on and say, I'm not representing my company because the comms department wants them to say, we're the best in the world versus like, let's be honest. Let's have an honest conversation and start an honest, honest, you know, honest back and forth. So I think we'll start to see more of those. And part of this thing of getting data mesh right is try, test and iterate. And part of that is getting it wrong. So when we think about that at a community scale, that's of massive value, right? To hear of what did people try and test and it didn't work and, and were they able to iterate or, or did they lose the momentum? Let's make sure we work with them to enable them to be able to tell their stories. So some not so big pr uh, predictions for 2023. Number one, knowledge graphs will continue to gain interest momentum, but little larger scale or high profile implementation momentum. Few people are really sharing what the massive value of using a knowledge graph brought to their organization that I've seen, right? There's kind of the knowledge graph uh, group, and then there's the non-knowledge graph people. And we need them to be integrating into much more of the conversations out there and going out and talking in all these different spaces and getting people's interest. But I don't think that will happen in 2023. We need someone that is pulling out that information explicitly to share with data leaders before it goes wide. 
that's kind of the goal of what I'm doing with this podcast for Data Mesh is pulling out this information and making it kind of easier for folks, but also seeding out a lot of the people that I have on the podcast to other podcasts, other mediums, other panels and meetups and things like that. We need more of that for, for something like that to go wide with knowledge graphs. Number two, we'll start to see some kind of emergent schemas for sharing insights across organizations. I think uh, Mojgan Tovakolifard <laughs> did a great job to point out that sharing data in an exchange is fraught with risk. So we will probably be sharing the insights from the data, not the raw data. This will not be a solved problem by any means in 2023, but we will see some basic schemas and other ways of sharing emerge and get some adoption traction. Number three, smart contracts will see a massive uptick in interest with little to no follow through. Sound and fury signifying crypto slash web three bros trying to pivot their hammers and make data exchange their next nail. There will probably be a splashy investment or two as crypto VCs look for a new place to put their money, and then it all dies down. Number four, we will see a lot of open source software projects start to emerge that are specifically data mesh relevant. Maybe this is wishful thinking, but I don't think we will get as many companies starting to emerge uh, you know, new companies starting to emerge that are doing these types of, of tech, given VCs are starting to clam up more and more on funding, right? They're kind of hunkering down in a lot of ways. So we will see the projects emerging from all of you folks listening that are at these companies. Hopefully, you know, the Data Mesh Learning uh, Foundation, as I pass over all that stuff to them, will have some kind of funding or project management mechanism but we need to find some projects to work with first. But the prediction here is that there will be a few things more directly targeted at solving issues in a data mesh way that come out into the open source space. Number five, data mesh will continue to be derided by tech first focused practitioners and will all as a community keep on trucking. Seeing it constantly by a number of the data engineering influencers, not all of them, obviously, you know, uh, kind of the, the biggest one, Tobias Macy has had Jamak on two, three times to talk data mesh. But a lot of these folks that are really, really focused at the tech level keep not understanding what we're actually trying to do. Number six, more data mesh vendor washing, but that the kind of, we'll see more of the sharper vendors uh, we'll also realize it hurts instead of helps credibility. It will be those vendors that aren't very agile and adept that will do it the wrong way and will double down on doing it the wrong way. But we'll get more people focused on, more vendors focused on extracting information instead of selling their product. There's a couple of companies that are doing that well. Um, I won't do that because I know certain, uh, I won't mention any right now because I know certain uh, other companies get really frustrated when I say, hey, this company is actually doing it the right way. You can probably guess because they're the ones that I'm, I'm more friendly with. <laughs> Number seven, three to five data mesh focused content channels will emerge. New channels. Of course, there's the data mesh learning meetup and newsletter and this podcast, but I think we will see others start to dip their toe in the water and it's warm. Come on in. I would love someone else to be doing a good data mesh 
you know, focused podcast or other content so I can focus on, you know, extracting more information in a different way. If I don't have to keep putting this stuff out, awesome. Right? If somebody else can take over certain aspects of it, then I don't feel like I'm the only one that's kind of constantly churning out this, this new information. And finally, number eight, we will start to see more innovation around data modeling in data mesh. Instead of just trying to apply existing paradigms, we will start to see the inklings of new ways of working. They will not take the world by storm. There is too much entrenched for that to come quickly. But we will start to move past the answer of just use Data Vault or Data Vault 2.0 or whatever. And we'll start to have people actually try to create a new way of doing this work instead of just saying, can't we just use what we've already got? Because what we've already got isn't getting, you know, the whole what's got us here won't get us there. I think the more that we dig into that, the more we find that with our current ways of data modeling. So I think we need to maybe not go completely back to the you know square one drawing board, but I think we need to be um, a little more cognizant that we can't just do what we've always been doing. So those are my predictions. Feel free to make fun of them as much as possible. Feel free to uh, throw me under the bus in any way you'd like. But I think um, I think we'll see some interesting movement forward. And I think if we can continue to have open discussions and open conversations, we'll see a lot of good progress in figuring out how the heck do we do something like decentralized, you know, data right at scale. So uh, if you've got any questions, as always, feel free to ping me. Hopefully that was a useful mesh musing for you. Please do rate and review the podcast. It really does help. And if you'd like to get in touch and see how I can be helpful to you, check out the show notes. I'm pretty easy to find. As I mentioned, there are some great free programs in addition to some very affordable things around implementer intros and roundtables on the Data Mesh Understanding website. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And with that, now on to the funky outro music. Mm-hmm.